0: Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, we have the privilege tonight, actually for the next couple weeks, um, to have Randy Don here in the house. Um, if you've never heard him before, buckle your seatbelt and hold on. And uh, we're in for a real treat. So, Randy Don, platform's yours. You guys, please give him a, a Res Life welcome. Uh, thank you. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. In fact, they've, um, they said two weeks in a row, so... Whatever. I hope I see you next week. Yeah, I really Thanks, Mark. No, it's awesome. You know, I want to thank you for your words of exhortation and the uh, proclaiming the healing. Um, how many times do we know in our lives I want you to get ready for that. we're going to do a two-week series on seeing the person inside of you. That would at least got somebody. Or well, maybe you don't like the person inside of you. I, don't, yeah. I didn't mean you. I'm talking about God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ inside of you. And so as we go through this, I appreciate your words of exhortation because I'm going to receive the one with the tumor. And not me, but my niece just had surgery today on that very thing. And I'm going to claim complete healing in her life. And I'm going to text her on the way home. Yeah, yep, just a Nice clap. I appreciate the, the little, yeah, I'm real excited. And uh, because I can go home now on the way home and just text her and say, receive your healing that's already been spoken. See, how many people have ever had somebody speak into your lives? Okay, how many have ever had somebody speak in your lives and it's like, not really what you wanted to hear, or it's not really anything near what you should hear? Mm-hmm. And see, I think in our culture today, we have too many people speaking in our lives instead of the Holy Spirit speaking through us. And see that would have been another place to at least get a little excited. Now, it's okay. It's all right. You know, when I'm with young people, they scream and yell and jump like banshees. But you don't have to do that. And, but what I'm saying is, here's our problem in our culture today. And maybe you're facing this. Maybe you're not facing this. We're going to go into First John chapter four, four. First John four, four. We're going to two two weeks on seeing the person inside. And what I want to talk about is that we need to trust this person of the Holy Spirit in our lives that he can and he will and he's able to speak to us and to change the temperature of the room. He's able to speak through us and to us where we don't need to have the accolations or the pat. How many people know that the pat on the back is about six inches from a stab in the back? How many of you have families Okay, there it is. Uh, You know, even in our own families, we have our own daughters, our own sons, our own mothers, our own fathers, that somehow they turn on us. It's like something happened. And it's it's always this. Well, I remember all these years that you gave me a problem. Now I'm about to. I mean, it happens in our culture. You tell me why people married for 30, 40 years end up getting divorced when the last child's out of the home. See, so so many times in our culture, we're, we're able, we're listening to other people, what other people say. We get advice from other people. We go to places and say, can you speak to me on behalf of, you know what, I got to be honest with you. I really don't trust that. Now, it's not that I don't have mentors in my life, people that speak in my life. Oh, please don't get me wrong, because I've got people like Skip that speak into my life all the time. I'm serious, and I take that advice, because why? I want to refine what God has. I can listen to a man of God. I'm just saying, when I don't listen to the person of God, I really don't want to listen to you. Bing. Okay, here we go. No, I don't, I don't even need that. I'm just saying it. it's amazing. I mean, we're in church, and it's like we got hurt. And so, uh, but I, and maybe I'm just too used to the, the free-for-all, but I thought this was a Pentecostal church. It's okay to get a little bit excited. Let me, let me just share this with you. I was in the Bronx in New York. Anybody know what the Bronx in New York are? Anybody ever been there in New York? If you've never been there, go visit. My, in, my family immigrated all the way through to, to, to Ellis Island. They came into the Bronx. I have an opportunity to be able to preach there this summer. In a bilingual community, that crazy, a little Italian, man, in a bilingual, Hispanic, English-speaking place, okay? And there's all culture there. They did a block party, and I had a chance to preach. And when I preached, I'm going to just tell you straight up, this church did not stop all day long. These people were so on fire for God. Let me tell you what's happened. This church was supposed to be burned down. Burned down in 2001, they established a church in a block of houses. If you've never seen this, you just look it up. There's row houses. They're gated. They're fenced. People park behind their houses, and there's like all kinds of like security issues. There's a church that's put there, a glorios, glorios to God church, okay, in the highest. And so, in the, about 2003, two years in, these gang members decided to try to burn this church down. Well, how many know when you try to go against the house of the Lord, sometimes it doesn't always work the way they think it's going to. They tried to burn it down. It didn't happen. They restored the entire church, took the insurance money, restored the entire church, and what they did was they went door to door to door to door and lavished the people with the extra money. Thank you. But let me tell you this, man. Three years later, in 2000, like maybe six now, three of the gang members that tried to burn a church down are now elders of the church. One's a board member. Don't tell me there's not a God that comes and arises up within you when you know you've done something crazy. And the cool thing about this church is they start prayer at 730 in the morning, church services until 11, start prayer. When I walked in, I thought somebody was hurting somebody i was like oh my gosh what happened pastor are we okay and he goes no the people just praying i'm like yeah. people just praying people just pr- they're like they were like banshees they were going crazy to 11 o'clock service 11 o'clock service i had the pastor on the stage with me bilingual i said can you keep up he said let's let it rip every time i did it, he did it in spanish every time I, and i was like man you're good he goes i know keep going and so it was fun but we're talking about, we're talking about getting outside of this position of, of us trying to always ask other people for, listen, if Christ is alive in you, you need to be walking him. You need to be talking him. You need to be telling others, man, of the hope of Jesus. If you're not, I have to question, because all of culture is Christians today. Are oh, we really doing what Jesus called us to do? You know, it's amazing we have a shooting in schools, which we've had for years, but all of a sudden this one gets so much national attention. And it should. It should. I'm not against it because I work in schools all over the country. But I'm not allowed to talk about Jesus. I'm not allowed to talk about God, but it's amazing now how somebody from the government says, we need to get our clergy's more involved. Okay, why don't you lift separation of church and state and we'll go crazy. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one that is in the world. The one that is in you is greater. Seeing the person inside of you. See, before we start talking about this thing with God and chasing God, I want to ask you a few questions. What are some of the things that you chase? Number one, what are some of the things you chase? Number two, what are are you passionate about? What are you really passionate about? It doesn't take long. You ask me, get to know me. I'm passionate about my Pittsburgh. I'm all about Pittsburgh. I live in Grand Rapids, but I'm all about Pittsburgh. Why? Because that's my life. And Grand Rapids, and Byron Center, where I live, I love it. But what drives me? What drives me? What drives me? What drives me? Sports drive me. I know I'm sinning. Some of you are like, "What's the movies. It's sports. It's all about. It, it drives me. It drives me. Passion drives you, but pers- uh, purpose defines you. Passion drives you, purpose will define you. Number one is this. I'm going to give you two points on this first night, and it says this. What will make you God chasers? What will make you a God chaser? What will make you a God chaser? Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul's writing here, and here's what he's saying. We know this scripture as far as 17, but look at 2 Corinthians 5, 12. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but what we are giving you is an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than is what is in the heart. For if we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are out of our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, and that... And those who live should no longer live for themselves. I love this. If you have a Bible, if you have a highlight, highlight this. No, no longer should live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we are. We, now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. I just love the words that are tucked in here. Paul's really right on with this. Though we were once regarded Christ this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, his new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here, exclamation point. There it is here. How many of you are saved? 22, 23, 24, 25. You're saved. The new has come. How many remember the old man? Anybody remember the old man? Thank God we crucified the old man, the old woman. Thank you, Jesus. Because nothing but the blood of Jesus. It was Jesus. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. I love verse 19. And he has committed to us the message of what? Reconciliation. Thank you, God, for reconciliation. For I was once a sinner, now I'm a saint. That's, that sins. How many know you're a saint? That sometimes sins. But we don't live in this guilt we go to the cross with it. We ask God. Thank God for his grace, because the grace is what washed us white as snow, is faith in Jesus Christ. See 21 is God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The saints, the saints, no longer sinners, the saints who sin is made to become righteous through God. Wow. What the blood of the Savior has done for me, come on somebody, what the blood of the Savior has done for you, he's inside of you, he grabs a hold of you, there's no there's no shaking him out, you can't get him out. Why? Because he's real. He's, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and I believe that this culture is going to grab a grip one day, and they're going to look back and say, I had it, I had it, I gave it away. But we are to be the light of who Jesus is, seeing the person inside of you. It's no longer you, but it's Christ in me. Look at Paul, man, the chief of all sinners, man. This guy was radical. This guy was crazy. He hated Christians. He, he, he killed them. He martyred them. He destroyed them. He persecuted them. Man, when he came to Damascus, they were fearful of him. But God does the right thing. He begins to blind him so that he can no longer see who's going to attack him. But he has to be under the mercy. He has to be under the mercy of God. Now he's got to trust this man that he saw in this beam of light. The voice talks to him, radically changes him. Now he says, now, no longer will you be a persecutor, but you'll be one that brings liberty and freedom to the soul. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for Paul. Thank you, Jesus, for the words. Thank you, Jesus. Galatians chapter 4, 1 through 7. Galatians chapter 4, Paul writes again, and he says this, What I am saying is that as long as there is heir and underage, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to the guardians and the trustees until the time set by the father. Verse 3, So also, when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elements spirit forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption of sonship. Thank you, Jesus, that we're adopted in the blood of Jesus Christ. Because you are the sons. God sent his spirit of his son into the hearts and the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So we're no longer slaves. Come on, somebody. We are children of God. Since we are his child, God has made you also an heir of the kingdom. Man, somebody say with me inheritance. No, inheritance. No, wait, I want you to claim it. Inheritance. Because how many of you have family? What happens when somebody passes? You fight over Come on now. I'm that serious man people fight over the inheritance because you know what I'm about to get mine man when you have Christ in you and he walks with you and he breathes into your life and you read this word and you begin to begin to speak like you did on a stage today you get the words of God you bring forth the healing of God if you don't walk out of here knowing you're healed and that's been called forth it's your fault don't go to somebody else and say hey now I'll tell you what I would do I would go to the doctor i I, I live in family. My- Wife's a nurse. You don't think I come home with stuff and like, hey, Lori, you know what she says to me? Honey, sit down. Let me check it out. Let me tell you. You know what she says? No, go to the doctor. I'm like, you're you're studying for your doctorate of nursing. Why do I have to go to a doctor? Go to the doctor. Because when I get done with you, I'm like, okay, I'll go to the doctor. It just happens. I'm going to the doctor. because How many you know you're married and? It could get ugly. So anyways, but I have an inheritance, and it's called kingdom. Let me, let me just share this with you. When I was a young, young, young man, I was eight years old. My father walked out of our home for three and a half years. I was eight years old when my dad left. I was eight years old two weeks prior to my dad walking when I received Jesus. From that moment at camp, summer camp, when I received Jesus Christ, I was told that the DNA of my life was forever changed. You are not your father. You're not your mother. You are a son of the king. You are a son of the most high. That royal blood runs through my veins because of the kingship. And he said this, if you will receive that, you'll receive the inheritance. When my father had passed years later, there was reconciliation. I led my dad to Jesus. My dad's now 80 years old, and he passes of cancer. I do his funeral. I get done with the funeral. I go because I'm, I'm in charge of the estate. And I say to the people that are in charge, the lawyers, I'm like, okay, let's divvy it up. Let's give the girls, I have three sisters, let's work on this. And he says to me, um, <clears throat> uh, I'm really sorry to tell you, but there's nothing. My three sisters were like, what? I was like, nothing? Because, see, I knew this. Because my parents gave everything away. My parents were givers. How many people know people like that? My parents would invite you to their house, and they would let you eat until the, the cupboards were bare. I'm mean, i just like, hey, what about us? Don't worry about you. It's about the people. We'll get to you later. I'm like, man, I'm your son. What's... No, nobody has a problem with that. I did. I was like, what? My parents, when they buried my father, my father had nothing. There was nothing that we got. We didn't receive any money, no inheritance. I didn't even get his car. Stuff happens. But did it bother me? It didn't bother me. You know why it didn't bother me? Number one, my dad made it. My dad was in kingdom My dad, that was a loser in my life, turned to be a winner of my life. I had a chance to lead my dad to Jesus and his inheritance when he stepped into kingdom. Well done, Don. Well done, Francis. Bam, it happened. Why is that? Because Christ rose up in him. And when my father would say something about Jesus, my grandfather came, I told you from Italy, when my grandfather was doing hair, he was a barber. My whole family is all hair. I I don't know. It just happened. My mother's side, my grandfather was bald, my mother's father, and this is what happened. But I'll tell you what, it doesn't matter about the hair, because when I get to kingdom, baby, I'm going to have some hair. I just know it. Now, it might be distributed somewhere else. I'm just saying, I can have a big fro, but it's okay, because my inheritance, why? Because I know who I am, and I know who's in me. I don't have to wait for somebody else to stir me up. I get up like this in the morning. I'm like a jackrabbit on something. I'm just telling you why. I can't wait to go to a restaurant. I can't wait to pray for people. I can't wait to ask the question. And I'm asking you, Christians, what's wrong with our culture that we can't effectively go into it and change one life at a time? I hope I'm stirring somebody's heart up. I hope I'm getting you to see the person inside of you. Number two is how do others perceive us? How do people look at you? That they look at you where they can come to you for answers? Because they're searching, they should be. Because he's so much inside of you, you should be delivering the word of God to them. Come on. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Listen, we get stuck in our stuff. We get stuck in oh my, I have a young lady just called me the other day. I haven't seen her for years. Oh, I'm just, I said, wait a minute, you were there five years ago. You were there 10 years ago. You were there 15 years ago when I first met you. You're still there? I just can't break it. Yes, you can. <laughs> but how do I do it? You've got to give it to God. Pursue God. Because here's what the problem is. Here's the legit problem. She's always in the wrong relationship. Women, I'm going to say it straight up. Meet a man of your dreams, not a man that's going to give you a nightmare. Girls, that would have been a great place to go, mm-hmm. Because I know some of you won't say that because you're sitting by him. You're stuck. I'm just saying, okay. And guys, I don't care how good looking they are, find a woman that chases God before she chases you. Because when you find a woman that chases God, that's the kind of woman you're going to want to run after. You're going to have to run after her until she catches you. I'm just telling you straight up. you got to get with the program. Because see, I'm just telling you, those things happen. How do others perceive you? There was a stereotype. In February 1st, 1960, four students, all of a black college, sat down with a white only's lunch counter in Greensboro, North Carolina. One of them was Franklin McClain. McCain, excuse me. He noticed an older woman seated nearby looking at them. She kept staring at them. He, he was sure her thoughts were unkind towards them and that their protest against segregation. A few minutes later, she walked over to them. She put her hands on their shoulders and said, boys, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. I know that God has something for you. Years later, recalling on a national public radio station, McCain said he learned from this and never stereotype anyone. Instead, he should pause to consider others and seek an opportunity to talk to talk with them. How do others perceive you? How do others see you, seeing the person inside of you? There are two things I want to just share in ending with the, tonight. Number one is I have a great story. A couple years ago, I was up north at a camp, and I was with an Assembly of God church. They brought three or four other churches with them. So there's about 350, 400 students packed into this little tiny camp. We had great night. First night was phenomenal. The worship was off the chain. It was incredible. I went to preach. And when I went to give an altar, something happened. Something happened that I've never to this day have ever seen, ever. When I gave an altar call that night, I promise you as God is my witness and I'm standing in this church that every one, every one, 300 and some kids pressed their seats out of the way and fell before the Lord. Not only fell before the Lord, but fell before the Lord seeking God's face like I have never in any ministry of my life have ever seen. But there was this one kid sitting about where Skip is. Skip, just put your hand like that. One kid. And I was like, I was like, I was like, man, I put my eyes I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Lord God, look at, I'm telling myself, because I'm talking, God tonight's gonna move, God tonight, but I can do this. I'm sitting there going, how come that kid ain't moving, man? I mean, everybody moving but that one kid. So I walked back to where that kid was. And I'm standing on him. I mean, I'm literally on this kid's head. Is there anybody else that wants to come up to these? Now, there's nobody. They're all behind me. Is there anybody else who wants to find? If you want to find Jesus tonight, he's here. He's here. He's here. here. I know he's here. I know. Is there anybody else? The kid's deader than a doorknob. I said, okay, that's it. Forget it. We had the altar. These altars, I'm telling you, I've never seen this in my life. And if you've ever experienced this, this is the kind of, I think, Shekinah glory. This is the kind of power of God. This is what can happen in our own rooms if we allow it. Those people went from 930 that night to 4 o'clock the next morning. No, I'm telling, I'm not talking just like, oh, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. But I'm talking, Jesus, God, Jesus. I'm talking, I have never seen the spirit of God pour out like that ever in my life in one place. It was amazing. People speaking in tongues, people getting healed, people jumping up. The band's still playing, blood's coming out, fingers are missing, stuff's happening. And uh, I just watched it. It just started, it was amazing to me. I went to bed about two in the morning. I said, man, I got to go. I'm old. I'll be back. So I left. I came back the next morning for breakfast at 738. They're still all over the floor. People staying in place, prostate, all over the floor. There's a young Baptist kid, there's a young Baptist kid in the corner, and I promised, oh, you got up here fast. Holy cow, you scared me. And so right in the corner, and he's in the corner going like this. And he's, he, he's going, he, they said he went for five hours, like that. Five hours. I said, come on, you're lying, you're in church. No, no, we're not lying. He hasn't stopped. He hasn't stopped. Finally, he just went, myself. and he dropped. It was in the morning I saw him. I said, oh my, how long have we been going? Five hours. I said, what? A young Baptist kid, never believed in the Holy Spirit, didn't want to talk about the Holy Spirit, bam, full of it. It's happened. The next morning, this kid, this kid gets up and says, um, excuse me, before you speak, can I say something? I was like, oh, no. Here, I give him the mic, and he stands up, and he says, um, I just want to tell you that my name is Brian, um, and I shouldn't be here. And I feel really awkward, like, but something happened to me last night, and I got to share it. And he starts crying, and he pulls out of his pocket a piece of paper, and it's all crunched up. He said, before I read this paper, I just want to say this little girl was in the front row of Danielle that invited this kid to go to the retreat, paid his way. She's sitting in the front row, and he says, I owe you my life. Go ahead, brother. Whatever you did, first of all, you tricked me, and in my backpack on a Thursday, you asked me to go to this retreat, and I said, no. When I turned around, you put a Bible in my backpack. When I went home that day Thursday... This is a Saturday morning. Thursday, I went home. I said, God, I don't want to live anymore. I hate my life. I'm going to take my life. I took the backpack. I threw it across the room, and out comes this Bible. And I thought, what is that? Who cares what that is? I went upstairs to my mother's cabinet where her vodka and her pills are. See, my father hasn't been in my life. I'm a junior in high school. My father hasn't ever been in my life. I live with my mother. My mother's never there for me. I went up to take my life because I don't care about life anymore. But you messed me up. He says, let me read this note to you. You, no dear, no son, you, comma, have been the biggest mistake in my life. You're horrible. I wish I never had you. I'm embarrassed of you everywhere I go. You've been a disgrace to my life. You'll never amount to anything. In fact, I sold the house. You'll live with your grandmother. I want nothing to do with you. You'll never see me again. No signature, no mom, no love mom, nothing. Said so I crumbled that up and I put it in my pocket. And I thought, God, you're not for real. And when I went upstairs to take that vodka and those pills, something called me back to the living room. And I went back to the living room and I got on my knees. And I got on this, and I opened this Bible, and I said, God, okay, if you're really for real, show me. And the Bible opened to John. I am the way, the truth, and the light. No man comes to the Father. John 14, 6. As he began to read, his tears began to come. And he says, I told Danielle, I'll come. And that's why I'm here. And when you, little crazy man, kept grabbing my head talking about Jesus. Every word hit me like you were just talking to me and I didn't see anybody else but me and you in the room. And the Holy Spirit came upon me and said, Son, I'm here. Go take a shower. He said, what do you mean? Go take a shower. I left in the morning about one o'clock. I snuck out of here because I wasn't allowed to go back, but I snuck out and I went down to my dorm and there was a song Shout to the Lord. It was resonating in my spirit and I got in the shower and God met me in the shower, and I'm giving my life to Jesus. You know why I'm giving my life to Jesus? Because you care enough. You care enough about me, and now I'm going to tell this about Jesus, and he sat down, and the place went crazy. The place went crazy, but the story doesn't stop there, because that young man, we went back to church on that Sunday night. It was Friday night, Saturday, Saturday morning, Saturday night, Sunday morning. We went back to that church in Flint, Michigan back to that church and he gave his testimony and standing up in the back is his grandmother and she says I've got you son I've got you somebody else stood up says I got you I'll take care of everything you do for college what do you want to be and he said I think God's calling me to preach that was like 12 years ago this young man's a preacher in South Dakota he's a youth minister one of the best youth ministers in South Dakota that there is why does that happen You know why it happens? Because something happens inside. Something happens where it comes out of you, man. It comes out, and every step, he takes Joshua chapter 1. He started claiming for Jesus Christ. Never saw, I, I met up with him probably three years ago. I said, what's going on? Oh, I'm here. I'm in South Dakota. My goodness, my life's been changed ever since you took and cracked my neck. He said, I've never seen my mother since, but I've seen my grandmother. All my schools have been paid for. And now I'm getting married. And my wife and I are starting on this journey. I thought, God, you me there's no God. I don't know where you've been tonight. I don't know what you're doing. The second one is this. I was in Buffalo, New York. I do a lot of inner city ministry. I talked to Skip talk too long ago, and he says, man, I want to go with you. It's ugly. It's dirty. Inner cities are horrible. But you know what? There's hope for Jesus. I go to Buffalo, New York, and I'm preaching a rally in a former YMCA. They had taken the YMCA building, and the church bought it. church bought it. They filled in the entire Olympic swimming pool with all these iron iron braces and all this metal, and then they built the floor, and then they built a stage up front like this, and this was the deep end. This was the 10-foot end, big old time. And then it went up to the 3-foot, and back there, all the chairs were in, middle aisle, two side aisles, and it was a beautiful place. They did a great job, big gymnasium, everything. They had a big rally there with all the section, and I go to preach. And as I finished preaching, I said, band, would you come? See, that was going to be your cue, but you just jumped. Oh, jumped, okay. Band, band, person, yeah. And so uh, the band comes up, and they start to play. And I said, tonight, and I said, tonight. And all of a sudden, I hear this. Some of you heard this story. Mr. You're a liar. Now, the lights were down. The place was dark, and I'm like, I didn't even, I was like, somebody, somebody say something. You're a liar. You're a blankety blank, 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 blank liar. I was like, ooh, somebody getting busy. I remember saying that. Somebody getting busy. Let me tell you something. You pulled the wool off everybody's eyes, but not mine. Not mine. I said, well, wait a minute. Somebody's yelling at me. You got a problem. Get in the Middle aisle. You come down here. Listen, I ain't going to mess with this. She's cursing out of her mind like I have never heard, except for inner city. When I'm experienced demoniacs on the inner city streets, I got to take you one time with me, brother, because you would lay hands on people, the whole place would fall out. She's cursing me out. I said, "Come on!" She steps in the middle of out. It's a little little tiny little tiny girl. She had the most marvelous hairdo I've ever seen in my life. She had braids that were like tug of war rope. Red, pink, yellow, blue green, black. If she went like this for about 13 seconds, she would have taken off like a helicopter. I'm just telling you, it was all there. They were about this long, real long. She comes down, her pants are rolled over, she's coming at me. What I found out later, she was a gypsy gang member in Buffalo, New York. A gypsy gang. I'm like, what is that? She comes down and she's talking to me She's saying, you know what? You don't understand, mister. Let me tell you, I have killed people. I have done. I'm thinking to myself, is there a popo in here? Is there any popo in here? Because this girl's throwing it. I've killed people. I've stabbed people. Last week, somebody was messing with my boyfriend. I took a knife to her. The the, the police came. The the ambulance came. Anybody snitches me out, I'm going to kill them. She goes, you're telling me this God can forgive me. I said, baby, he'll forgive everything. Let me tell you something. She's cursing, cursing, cursing. Finally, I'm standing there. She's coming a little farther. I said, you got to come farther. I ain't going no farther. I said, you have to. You have to come farther because I know that I'm in the deep end. Now, she ain't going into water. I'm telling you, there's a stage there. But hypothetically, she gets close to the water. She going in. Because she's going to be baptized by this man named Jesus. And this Holy Spirit's going to come over her. She gets about right in the front row. She's not even this far away from me. And I said, baby, I'm going to take another step. I'm not going to take a step. Culture tells you move the line. I'm not moving the line. I know what my scripture says. Come right here. Oh, I came to you because I'm here. But you got to come to me now. She steps. And when she steps, she collapses right in my chest. Hot tears. She went for halfway down. Every word was f this. F. I'm telling you guys, like it was like a, it was like a machine gun. But I was like, mm. people are like, oh snap. And I'm thinking, where's anybody rescuing me? Like, how come nobody's standing up? Like, what if she got something? What? what am I gonna do? I'm not gonna punch a girl unless she gets busy. I'm just saying. All of a sudden, she starts in the middle, about right here. She starts saying, let me tell you something, blah blah blah. blah. Hallelujah. I went, oh, there it is. I said, come on a little further. She's like, what is this? What is this word? You mother. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, hallelujah. And so when she came down here, she collapsed in my arm. All she was saying is, Glory to God. Hallelujah. She's speaking in another tongue. Wait a minute. This is crazy. This is crazy. This gets so cool. She's speaking another language, my friend. All of a sudden, she collapsed in me and she looks up behind me. She looks up and she goes, There he is. He's behind you. He's on the stage. He's on the stage. That Jesus you're talking about, he's on the stage. He's right there. I look back and the guitar player's like, I said, the guitar player, no, he's behind you. He's got a long beard, long hair, and he's wearing bib overalls. I said, oh, yeah? She said, yeah, but here he comes. He's carrying a bucket with soapy water. He's carrying a sponge. He's behind me. He's whispering to He's pouring the sponge, uh, the water in the space, sponge, sponge in my head and behind shoulders and my back. And he's whispering, I made you. I value you. You are my daughter. You are my daughter. Release this in the name of who I am. Release, I am here to change you. She said, He's telling me he's changing me. All of a sudden, she goes out. I lay her down. I looked up and I'm telling you, I, I'm, again, altars packed altars packed with people four of her gang members five of her gang members are laid out over here they couldn't believe what they just saw because this went on for a little bit of time you guys story gets great that night i lead her to jesus and i lead four of her gang members to christ i get a call about three weeks later and they said that she was released from the gang they don't want her in the gang anymore because she's all she's talking about is jesus And they know she was one of the most wicked young ladies they had. Okay, somebody that weekend I was there said, I'll mentor her. Two women, two women said, I'll mentor her. They mentored her. And as they began to mentor her, a year later, I went back on Mother's Day. And who comes skipping down the middle aisle with long, flowing hair? flowing hair? She had earrings everywhere, tattoos all over, piercings her nose, her nostrils. Piercing, I'm telling you, everything was pierced. Everything was, t- all this stuff, all this eyebrows. And that day, she had two earrings in, long, flowing hair. I remember the snake that she had along here. It came out the arm. And she's standing, do you remember me? And this little four-foot nothing, little Puerto Rican from Buffalo, New York says, Pastor Randy, it's me. It's Rochelle. I'm changed forever. And for this year I want you to see something. Come, girls. Come, guys. And she let almost 12 of her gang members out of the gang. I said, what has changed Rochelle? Here's what she said. He's in me. He's in me. He's in me. And everywhere I go, no, I've got freedom. I know what death was like. I know what the other side was like. Come on, somebody. You're still sitting here, and you're still holding on. What are you holding on to? When he's in you, you can change the atmosphere. When he's in you, you can change by one touch, the Bible says. The Bible says we have the power in Christ to lay hands on the sick and their whole. We have the power to cast out demons. That's what the Bible says. See the person inside of you, not all your faults, not all your disappointments, not what everybody else is telling you. Start listening to what Jesus says. Somebody needed to hear this tonight. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father God, tonight I'm asking the name of Jesus, like Rochelle, like this Brian. God, people are running, people are searching. We're, how do we see this person inside? Mister, you don't understand, Pastor. You don't understand where I've come from. You don't understand the abuse and the stain and the hurt. I don't think he's any dirtier than Brian and Rochelle's stories and yet the mercy of God the mercy seat of who Jesus Christ is is he changes one person at a time with your head bowed and every eye closed I want you to hear this and you know this because Pastor Dwayne Vanderklok preaches this with eloquence it doesn't matter where you've been you can be the worst of the worst look at Paul's look at David's a murderer a murderer and an adulterer God says I'll make you a king and I'll save your entire lineage Come on, somebody. I will take junk and I will turn it into gold. I will take your ashes and I will turn them into beauty. Do you see the person inside of you? Do you value the person inside of you? These altars are open tonight for two things. Number one, if you've never experienced the salvation plan of Jesus Christ, he's here tonight, I want to tell it to you. Number two. You want prayer tonight? Just prayer, straight up. I'm wrestling with, I'm wrestling with. I'm going to ask a couple of our elders to come, any of and the deacons, any of the men of God, any of the women of God, would you stand up and just come? And I'm going to ask you, if anybody wants prayer tonight, right now for salvation or for healing or for your family, one, two, three, stand up and come. Don't wait for anybody else. Don't wait for anybody else. I'm going to pray a blessing on you just in a second. But if there's anybody who wants prayer tonight, as we said first of all in the beginning of the service, if you want prayer tonight for a family member, your mom, your dad, something's going on. Would not you stand up right now, and would you just come? Thank you, sister. Just come. Somebody come and pray with this sister. Somebody come pray with this young lady. So, there's another woman that's coming forward. Somebody would could, just come. I need a prayer partner. Man, I want to challenge you. Is there any man that says, you know what? Man, there's times I feel it, but there's times he's not inside of me. And I want him to be inside of me 24-7. Anybody else for prayer? I need somebody with this young lady right here. Just over here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, you guys. I want to pray this prayer of blessing upon you because it's our time and we're out. I look forward to next week. We're going to talk about it more. We have great things in store for next week. But don't wait for the week. As we go through this week, make every day purposed that you see the person inside of you, Father God. As we're here tonight, we're praying with these people, these precious people. I'm asking you, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would touch and you would heal and you would reconcile and you would deliver and you would bring healing upon in the name of Jesus. I'm asking you, Father, that you would that you would uh, begin to touch the lives of people. The lives of people that you would would, uh, just be able to pour into them as they leave this place tonight that your will be done Father God as we go this week that we can walk our path, change our sidewalk and change the temperature of our culture because it's the Jesus that's inside of us in the name of Christ I pray amen and amen, you may be dismissed unless you want to come for prayer, we're still praying with these people, thank you Jesus, God bless you